Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. My name is Dana Newhauser, and I am the Minister of Public Witness here. And you got since Wednesday, I got since 7 o'clock last night. So here we are. Don't worry, I'd written this one before. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask for just a moment of vulnerability. I had some serious second thoughts about preaching on this particular parable. So every commentary I read, and I read a lot of them, included some variation on a theme of, this is Jesus's most challenging parable. Okay, Um, so there are parables that are challenging because they call us into practices of discipleship that stretch our worldview and our ways of being. Think the parable of the um, Good Samaritan. So easy enough to understand, but often challenging to actually practice that kind of radical love of neighbor and boundary crossing way of being. Well, this isn't that kind of confusing. (laughs) This one is... It's, I mean, it's just confusing. <laughs> so it's challenging because it's confusing. The lesson isn't as easily accessible, nor is it as easily distilled. And the protagonist comes across as more cunning than compassionate. So there's no crystal clear directive in this text. And yet, we're called to do challenging things. So here goes nothing. A certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. So let's just be clear, some unnamed third party has accused the manager of wasting the rich man's property. We don't actually hear the details of the accusation, nor are we privy to the evidence. The rich man summoned the manager and in quick succession accuses him, demands accounting, and fires him. The rich man is not exactly the most sympathetic character, and most of us may be skeptical of rich folks anyway, but particularly in Luke, Luke often emphasizes the need for care of the poor. And um, so he's not really all that uh, favorable. It doesn't cast the rich folks in his um, gospel in that favorable light. So he doesn't seem to, the rich man doesn't seem to allow the manager to respond to the accusation before he just moves on to firing him. Meanwhile, though, the manager doesn't argue. He doesn't present a defense. Maybe he doesn't have a defense. He doesn't actually respond verbally at all. So what we read next is an internal monologue. And according to scholars, speaking to oneself in biblical texts suggests less than thoughtful planning and more conniving, okay? So the manager can't do manual labor. He's not gonna beg. So he hatches a plan to curry favor with those who owe the rich man money. He summons the debtors individually and offers to reduce their debt, in one case by 50%. He may have been laid off, but the debtors don't know that. So the manager is still presenting himself as an agent of the rich man who has the authority to handle these kinds of deals. It's helpful to know that rich landlords at the time often used exorbitant interest rates to get more land from peasants. 
which actually violated covenantal law. So the interest would likely have been rolled into the principal, essentially hiding it. The rich man and the manager were part of a system that exploited the poor, despite the Mosaic law that forbade charging interest on loans. Isn't it great that we live at a time where debt structures aren't exploiting the poor? <laughs> Never mind. Okay. So here's a little United Methodist uh, trivia for you this morning. As part of ordination in the United Methodist Church, those being ordained are asked a list of questions dating back to John Wesley, the founder, one of the founders of Methodism. So most of them are around theology or doctrine or discipleship or polity. And then there's this question that every time it's asked, and it's asked in this worship service setting, every time it's asked to the people being ordained, people standing on stage and people sitting in the um, um, seats start to laugh kind of nervously. Are you in debt so as to embarrass you in your work? So I always feel like it's a trick question, given the extraordinary expense of higher education and the requirement for ordination to have extra higher education, right? Um, so to be honest, I'm way less interested about the individual's embarrassment when they answer that question and way more curious about the systems that create that kind of embarrassment. So here's a snapshot. In the US, the total student loan debt is currently 1.6 trillion, with a T, borrowed by 44.7 million people. I didn't actually figure that math, but if somebody is brilliant in math and can figure out the average per person, um, y'all do it. It's a lot. I think that's, that's pretty easy to say. So student loans are the second highest consumer debt category after, after mortgages. Um, 20% of borrowers in repayment are behind in their payments. That's a lot of debt. That's a lot of debt, y'all. Um, as with most things in the U.S., student loan debt disproportionately impacts people of color. So black students take on 85%, 85% more debt than white students and repay it more slowly, which of course means they pay more interest. So lower family net wealth and, and predatory for-profit colleges are also thought to be factors in that. But let's not forget that the debt our current system of wealth acquisition owes to land theft, genocide, and chattel slavery. The communities upon whose labor, land, and lives U.S. wealth was, has been built are the least likely to benefit from it. Wealth in the U.S. is dishonest wealth. And that is way more embarrassing than what John Wesley was asking for. So let's review the parable for just a moment. The manager who's been accused of squandering the rich man's property as, and is subsequently fired goes off on his own to figure or to forgive a significant portion of the debt people owe the rich man. His most obvious motivation is self-preservation, hoping for friends who will take him in during his time of need. He makes the offer, the debtors are happy, but how does the rich man react? 
plot twist. The rich man did commends, commends the manager for being shrewd. What? The gratitude of the debtors is logical. The commendation of the rich man who just lost out on profit doesn't make any sense. The manager whom he fired went rogue and forgave part of the debt he was due, and yet he was complimentary. So whether you call him shrewd, dishonest, or shady, the manager messed with the expected order of things. The reversal of the expected order of things is actually a mark of the kingdom of God that comes up throughout the Gospel of Luke. The rich man's response may not make sense on empire logic, but makes sense based on kingdom logic. In kingdom economics, the mighty are brought down from their thrones and the humble are, are exalted. The hungry are filled with good things and the rich are sent away empty. Following the parable, we read Jesus posed the question, if you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In a different tradition, the quote reads, if, then you have, if you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? The idea of dishonest wealth seems more pointed and fitting for today. Given the history of wealth accumulation in this country, the interlocking oppressive systems of racism, poverty, and environmental degradation, it is hard for me to see any wealth as truly honest wealth. So what does it mean, what does it look like to be faithful with dishonest wealth? How are we, we, called to mess with the expected order of things. Last spring, there was a commencement speech that got a lot of attention online. Billionaire, b-b-billionaire, Robert Smith, founder of a private equity firm called Vista Equity Partners, addressed the class of 2019 at Morehouse College, a historically black college in Atlanta. In the course of his speech, he told the graduating class that his family would make a grant that would clear their student debt. If you haven't seen the video, it's totally worth Googling and watching because the students, the faculty, everybody there, they're stunned, yeah. right? Yeah. And it takes, a, there's like a pause after he says it while people are like processing the information and then like this explosion of excitement. So the gift will clear um, the debts of almost 400 graduates. And this fall, uh, parents and guardians of the class of 2019 received news that his pledge will also include the debt amassed by parents in order to send their students to college. And look, as a parent of a college student, I, <laughs> I, uh, hmm, I wish somebody would show up to my daughter's college. Anyway, um, so here's the total. It's approximately $34 million total. But the impact of that gift for those young men is extraordinary. The men of Morehouse College, class of 2019, have the chance to start the next stage of their lives with a freedom not shared by their peers who face decades of debt repayment. 
In his commencement speech, Smith, Smith was clear that he expects the graduates of 2019 to pay this gift forward. He envisions that they will make sure that future classes have the same opportunity to be free of the burden of student debt. And this invitation to pay it forward has already inspired others to give. The initial offer spurred the creation of the Student Success Program at Morehouse. The program will distribute the Smith funds and will solicit and accept additional donations to help reduce student loan debt for other Morehouse students. The program will also track the social impact of student loan reduction or elimination. Because the reality of debt and economic systems that prosper at the expense of the marginalized is that the whole being is impacted. Physical and mental health, employment stability, housing stability, and relationships. It's way more than just a few thousand dollars. So I'm gonna go out on a limb here and just guess that no one here is prepared to give a $34 million gift. If you are, let's talk after, because New City could do some amazing stuff with that. But you can talk to Trevor. Trevor's ready. <laughs> um, even without that kind of wealth, none of us are really off the hook. So the question is, how are we being faithful with dishonest wealth, both individually and collectively? How are we messing with the expected order of things? How are we using our resources to reverse the old hierarchies and build relationships that are healing, reparative, and lead to collective liberation? So one of my clergy side hustles is organizing with Sacred Solidarity Network. Um, it's a multi-faith coalition of um, groups from different faith communities who come together to learn how to and wrestle with how to dismantle white supremacy, specifically in institutions. Part of the work has involved wrestling with what it means as communities of faith to participate in reparations. How are we doing the work of truth-telling, relationship building, healing, and resource redistribution that is necessary for liberation. So some congregations are actually participating and supporting a program called Community Well that helps match the needs of frontline justice organizers with congregational resources. Others have been inspired to create funds for rapid response for immigrant communities. And here at New City, we have the Incarnation Fund as, an, as another model of healing and reparation. So the ways that we're called to engage may be different, but we may all ask ourselves and our communities, our circles of influence, how are we overturning old hierarchies to build new relationships that reflect kingdom economics? So, as it turns out, this isn't just the type of parable that's challenging to understand, it's also the type that's challenging to live into. We are invited to live into transformed relationships with people, with power, and with money. We're invited to join God in transforming systems in ways that reflect the radical and liberating love of God. We are invited to do challenging things 
for the sake of the gospel. Amen.